coming out this is, is the Donald Trump report. v. the United States, New York Times reporter Michael Schmidt. And uh, they usually will roll out a couple of little tidbits to, to uh, generate Korea. interest in the book. And here's one that I found New noteworthy. Report. So Trump this is down uh, for alarming based on chief, former chief of staff of then Donald Trump, uh, John Kelly. In 2017, talking with Trump about the tense situation that was going on with North Korea. You might recall that tweets were being sent of Iron Fury and all that. So that was all public. That's just character or whatever. What was going on behind closed doors? Well, Trump apparently cavalierly discussed the use of using a nuclear weapon against North Korea. Which that's fine, I guess. Weird part is that he said that if he took such an action, the administration could blame someone else for it to absolve itself of responsibility. That seems likely. I think that you could probably get away with filing, firing an ICPM at another continent and nobody will be looking or anything or fly a bomber over North Korea and they won't know that it was you. And certainly no one involved in the deployment of a nuclear weapon would ever leak any of that information. Again, as weird as all of that is and as scary that he was seriously considering nuking North Korea, which is bad enough by itself. It's right next to Russia. They might have a problem with that, right? Or China, they might have a problem with that. It's right next to our ally South Korea, which might have a problem with that. Um, also, Kelly responded by saying, it'd be tough to not have the finger pointed at us. Thank you for pointing that out, John Kelly. That's a good point. Uh, he tried to dissuade Trump from per, uh, pursuing the option by explaining the economic re repercussions of such a move. I really hope that that's not the only thing he focused on. Also brought in military leaders to explain Trump the likelihood with which war between the U.S. and North Korea would break out. That is true. I kind of feel like post-nuke wouldn't be as significant necessarily, but they could have fortified missile launchers and things like that that would survive a first strike. Here's what Schmidt says, though. Prospect of how many people could be killed had, quote, no impact on Trump. What? And I, look, I'm not going to pretend not going to be performative and pretend that I'm shocked by that, but I just want us to absorb that new king. He didn't care that people would die. He didn't care how many would die. In a war between us and North Korea, he doesn't care about the consequences. Brett, what do you think? He's a sociopath. Like, that's the part that should keep... That's the part that kept, you know, Sting singing, I hope the Russians love their children, too. Like, that kind of thing. Mm. The guy does not have is not moored by the the reality that uh, human life matters and that we shouldn't just be nuking people all willy nilly. Now there is something to be said where if someone tells me like where if you lead with what if we nuke North Korea and someone says people will die, hopefully you already knew that when you proposed the idea so it's not like someone's being like some people will die and he goes what wait what at least he knows the consequences of his action but he doesn't know like, the direct consequences of his actions but beyond like the direct consequence of like drop a nuclear bomb people die completely oblivious to what that might imply yeah i am is like on the tip of my tongue a scenario where a dumb character in a movie does something devastating and then explains that, don't worry, they won't know it was us. And I'm trying to remember what it was. I feel like the character was Ricky Gervais. But in any event, that's the former president of the United States who didn't... Wait, what are you going to say? Well, it's just every horrible, like, botched murder sh uh, play, movie, um, criminal movie. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. 
It's like yeah. they'll never know it was us. It was that this is like the like okay? What we'll do is back the truck up to the gas station. We'll wrap a uh, rope around it. I'll hold the rope, and then we'll drive away. And they forget to cover their light. Like they don't realize that there are license plates yeah. that will identify your car or security yeah. cameras. It's like I don't think that you would get away with that. It is insane that you would want to. It's also like the, there's it's like it seems like it was a meeting where they all right there's no bad ideas and then he started talking and they were like I misspoke <laughs> there are bad Good ideas point. they're all coming from this yeah. guy and it's and, sad and and what he's he's like there's a certain base level of understanding you of of war the responsibility of running the military that you would hope the commander in chief of it would understand without you having to explain it to them. This is not like, listen, maybe if we oversimplify, we can discover something fundamental as a breakthrough. But no, like, if you shoot a nuclear weapon, there's only so many countries that would be on the list of people who did it. And only your stupid supporters would be the ones who'd be like, it's a false flag operation! 100%. Well, they, they would certainly believe it. Um, also, uh, bear in mind, many years ago, Trump once said in an interview that he knows more. He like he looked up nukes for forty five minutes, and now he knows more about nukes than anyone else in the world. I, don't, I, don't, I think he missed a few facts when he was doing that. The anyway, sad part is there are facts about nukes he knows that no one else knows because they were top secret. Just the general like consequence of war, no clue. Also, uh, and this is maybe the more minor thing, but Trump was baffled and annoyed that he would need congressional approval in order to conduct a nuclear preemptive strike on North Korea. But just, I just want you to bear in mind, uh, one of the fundamental asymmetries is that they think that Biden can't cut student loan debt, but he can unilaterally nuke a country. I mean, you know, priorities and all that. Anyway, um, also, I just want to show the screenshot just because I thought it was fun. John Kelly, when he came in to be like the new chief of staff, um, we can go to this last graphic, Levin, uh, he thought, you know what the problem with the Trump thing is? He doesn't have the right staff. I'm going to come in and staff him up. And then he found out, oh, no, no, it's not the staff necessarily. It's that Trump is dumb and immoral and ignorant and lazy. And he wants to nuke people. Anyway, maybe he'll be, never be president again. Maybe we can all someday just look back on the days when he almost pressed the nuclear button we are not at that point yet, and he could still very well be president again. For more political news breakdowns, interviews, stories of activism, and me trying my hardest to care about the occasional big celebrity news story, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the damage report. And you can ring the bell wherever it is so you don't miss anything. Wouldn't it be better if a leather holster could lock? With limited carry important. options, responsible gun owners. Pretty fucked up. <sighs> right. What else is good? Nuanced conversation about COVID the vaccines. James Carville, Biden, Trump, our parties in 2024. Conversations with Bill Crystal. Ancient aliens, secret relatives, and supernatural powers. Who are the sea peoples? I want to see that. Take to watch later.
Caseful Creator Parable. Eh. Just unsealed by federal judge two days ago. I already covered that. Mysterious Power 3. I think I already, I'm pretty sure I covered that as well. How about this, Billy Billy, uh, Billy Carson? How the Anunnaki became ordainers of destiny with Billy Carson on Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge channel. Damage reports. Trump wanted to bomb nuke North Korea. Exclamation point. Hey there. How the Anunnaki became ordainers of destiny with Billy Carson? on the Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge. It's great stuff. Great content. I meant to I meant to buy some stock and forbidden knowledge. He looks cool with glasses. All right, all right. That was a reprise. <laughs> What's happening? Billy Carson here, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. Thank you, everyone, for hopping on tonight. Yes, I have my Forbidden Knowledge hat on. Yes, I have my Forbidden Knowledge shades on as well. <laughs> From time to time, I do wear my shades. I used to wear them all the time. Some of you guys may know that I have something called synesthesia. I do have an eye condition. It's really not an eye condition. It's a cortex condition. So my audio and cerebral uh, cortex are formed in a way where my, my visual cortex is, is uh, I guess, interlinked or combined. <clears throat> So every time I hear sounds, I see colors and numbers. And so shades, the reason why people would be like, how come he's always got on shades? Well, it's actually a medical condition. I even have a handicap sticker for it. Uh, the shades actually help me to dull out some of the input. On a day like today, when I've been totally exposed to so much activity and so much going on, <clears throat> it's actually more of a relaxing thing to actually be able to uh, have the shades on your eyes, to relax your eyes and dull out some of the input input that you guys will never be able to detect and see because you don't have synesthesia something that you're born with I'm one in 100,000 people are born with it and i am one of them I a lot of people that. have it that you probably wouldn't even know uh billy joel mary j blige Pharrell, hmm. um kanye west uh quite a few people have synesthesia that some some bigger names that you might know actually have synesthesia you'll notice that they were excuse me <clears throat> You'll notice that they wear shades a lot. I've been talking so much today, my voice is going, guys. So you're gonna have to bear with me tonight. <clears throat> I do have my water. 
But it's going to be a great night and a great talk tonight. All right. I appreciate you guys. Please, everybody, hit the like button. Please share this video. I'm going to go in today talking about the Anunnaki. Are they the ordainers or were they the ordainers of destinies? I want to talk about what that is. I'm going to read a little bit of a couple of different tablets to you as well, some verses from some of the tablets. And all this has to do with manifesting. It has to do with understanding how to create your own reality. That's literally what it's all about. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk a little bit about that and touch on that. And again, please forgive me for my voice. I literally probably made, I don't know, six hours of videos uh, uh, over the last uh, couple of days. And my voice is really starting to take a whoo, little bit of a dive. All right. Um, so let's get into it. I think we got the chat filling up here. We got uh, over a thousand people in the chat right now. All right. So please, again, please share this video wherever you may see it. I think I'm broadcasting on five different platforms right now at once or maybe six. Uh, but definitely please share it. All right. <clears throat> um, so tonight we're going to even talk a little bit about Gamma Tablets of Dope. I'm going to be reading out of my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, my best-selling book. And we're going to be talking. It's all centered around manifesting, okay? All of this is centered around manifesting. And so we have to understand that manifesting is something that is ancient. It's not new age. You hear people say, oh, this is that new age stuff. You guys are into this new thing, manifesting. You know, you saw that movie. No, 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 no. <clears throat> Manifesting is ancient, ancient, ancient. It's super ancient. All right. So what's happening now in today's modern era is some of those ancient teachings and understandings have been brought forward in time. Luckily, they survived the test of time through verbal handed down histories, through remnants of ancient texts. <clears throat> and now today, we, what do we have? We have a situation where we can actually go back, study this, these techniques and apply them in our life. But not only can we do that, we can also understand the science behind manifestation, which is the biggest key. We can understand the science behind it now because we have now caught up to the level that we were back then in terms of understanding fundamentals of quantum physics and quantum mechanics. Those two things right there actually explain spirituality. I'm going to be talking about so much of this in my Manifest Destiny workshop. You have to come. It's a 10-hour class. It was originally going to only be eight hours, but I knew I'd do an hour overtime. But we just added another speaker, another amazing speaker. I'm just waiting for the contract to be signed. And this person is world famous. Uh, this person has, uh, uh, has consulted with many uh, very, very, what you would consider to be famous people, people in the public spotlight. has been their mentor guide through many business dealings and I mean, you know you'll know who he is i mean the guy's worldwide uh and so i'm just waiting for the contract to sign before i announce his name but we've added him also to the manifest destiny workshop we're adding another hour extra on top because he's going to need at least two two and a half hours by himself and then we have the trauma release class and then we have elizabeth going in on a mental health and how to clean out your vessel to be able to manifest and then the rest of those hours are all me so it's going to be a powerful powerful workshop uh, and, you know, kind of feeding off of what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to drop a link in the chat right quick for the Manifest Destiny. This is the fourth annual Manifest Destiny workshop that we've done. And every year it gets bigger and it gets better. And this year it's going to be mind-blowing. If you want to learn how to manifest your best life, manifest things into reality, 
create the life that you truly desire, bring heaven to earth, <clears throat> you need to come to this, this class, this mega 10-hour class. And it's actually going to be recorded. So if you can't watch the whole thing, just typing at the same time, you will be able to, guess what? Replay it unlimited. It was two weeks over ago. Over again. Pause it, stop it, play it, play it for family members, play it for friends, play it for your children because it's rated G. All right, it's rated G because we're talking <laughs> about God power. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to drop it in the chat right now in the, in the comments here. Just dropped it in the chat. The link is in the chat. If you can't see the chat, just go to eventbrite.com or the caption of this video <laughs> should have the um, actual link in it as well once this video is done. All right. So, talking about manifesting, when you look into the ancient cuneiform Sumerian tablets, you start seeing something very interesting. You start seeing that these beings that the Sumerians call the Anunnaki, and yes, that's a real name. You can find that name in the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation. A roughly almost 8,000-year-old text that was deciphered in the 1800s, long, long time ago. This is well-known, well-vetted, peer-reviewed information that has made it into even anthropology class. Stop using your own money to pay for your health needs. I wrote this down to make it clear that any yeah, American... Even anthropology classes in Show universities. So again, this is not off-the-dome makeup stuff. Like, you know, I always come Show with the receipts. Shit. Anybody can find this out. I give you the information that most people just don't know the questions to ask and they don't know where to look. But guess what, guys? I know where to look. I know what questions to ask. Look into it. You find these Anunnaki beings and you find that these Anunnaki beings, which really were the Atlanteans, they're mentioned in texts all over the world. They're the Anak in the Bible. You know, they were we were grasshoppers in their eyesight. These were big men. They were called men of renown. Uh, you know, these, these people were known around the entire planet. They were the pantheon to the Greeks, but the original Sumerian pantheon prior to the Great Flood originated out of Mesopotamia. After the flood, it re they reset themselves in the land of Kim. And then you had them, they became the Netiru, right? The gods that came from heaven to earth and turned mud into a kingdom. These people went to Cambodia and built Angkor Wat. They went and built Teotihuacan in, Meso in, in Mesoamerica. They developed civilizations all over the entire planet, these people. Now, what was interesting is, and what was actually great, is that they had a lot of text left behind about them. And there were scribes that would write, scribes of these gods. They called them gods, but they weren't gods with a capital G. They were gods with a lowercase g. Some of them, unfortunately, masqueraded as gods because, I mean, hey, they come to a planet. There's people here. People see that they have technology and advanced knowledge, and right away, what do they do? They bow. Oh, this must be God. It's called a cargo cult. We know that because we've seen cargo cults before on this planet. When uh, the U.S. military went to the uh, Bikini Atoll and those islands out there in the South Pacific to do nuclear missile testing, what did they do? They arrived and at the shore of some uh, some islands where there were natives, natives that had never seen. Yet, not even a white man, yet alone any other man other than themselves. And all of a sudden, they've got airplanes, they've got uh, they've got uh, tanks, they've got these boats that run with power. They come on on shore with all these canisters and 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 luggage and everything else, and these 
gigantic steel suitcases with with supplies on the inside. And they started giving this stuff, some of this stuff, to these natives. Clothing and shoes. Trying to make them feel good because they was about to blow their whole island up, basically. Trying to make them feel good. We're going to have to redirect you guys because we're going to have to tear this whole place up with this nuclear test. And, you know, we're going to give you some trinkets and give you a little bit of food. Give you some candy bars. And then we're going to kick you off your home. That's basically what happened. But long story short, when they saw these soldiers, they began to worship them instantaneously. After the soldiers left and all the testing was done, still to this very day, in some of those islands, there are cargo cults dedicated to the gods that came from the sky with the cans of spam and, and, and chocolate bars. They even tattooed USA on their chest. I did a whole lecture on this, a three-hour lecture. It's available on Forbidden Knowledge TV with the pictures of these natives. They tattooed USA on their chest. They took reeds and sticks from the bushes and made them into... Cans of Spam and <laughs> Chocolate Bars. would look like uh you know uh, semi-automatic guns and rifles even took trees and reeds and branches and built themselves look like airplanes with the with the landing gear and everything and they were prey to the landing gear and, and looked to the sky for hours on end waiting for the sky gods to return with more cans of spam and, <laughs> and, and chocolate bars and stuff and some food and some clothes cargo cult now let's take a trip back in time these same people, very you know, these Anunnaki people arrive same way. They come with uh, to create a breakaway civilization according to the ancient tablets, not according to Billy Carson. According to the ancient tablets, they came here to create a breakaway civilization, and in doing so, they in interacted with an existing hominid who was our cousin, human beings' cousins, not Homo sapien yet, but Homo sapien, Homo something, definitely Erectus, and. Um, and engage them. And at that time, of course, they thought they were gods. Why? Because they had advanced technology. They had things that look magical to us. When a more advanced civilization runs into a less advanced civilization, the less advanced civilization uh, deifies the more advanced civilization. That's just the way it goes. And so we deified them and, you know, we, we, uh, we became their slaves without, without knowing we were their slaves. You know, and so that's what happened. What was interesting when you read these tablets, they had these scribes, scribes that would write down all the information that these gods wanted to leave behind in stone, because stone was very hard to, uh, you know, to decay. Parchment paper and, and and papyrus, things like that. You know, over time, it decay very easily. Stone, you know, the worst that can happen is it starts to crack and break, or you drop one and it breaks. For the most part. Long term, the majority of these tablets, which we now have millions of them, have been discovered. Millions, not a couple hundred, not a few thousand tablets. Millions of tablets have been discovered. 
and they left behind a, a great record of what may have happened in the ancient past. So one of the things that they talk about, these ancient sky gods from the ancient past, is they talk about having the capability of being ordainers of destiny. Okay, that's what they call themselves, the ordainers of destiny. And what does that mean? When you start to analyze these tablets in this text, you begin to realize that these beings were talking about creating realities on this planet. We're talking about creating realities, creating paradigms, and also creating future outcomes based on what they themselves wanted to see roll out or unfold on this planet. That's pretty interesting because that's manifesting. Now, they were talking about doing these things as if they were already going to be done. That's pretty powerful. In other words, their plans in their mind were so powerful and their vision was so powerful that they can actually see the multiple opportunities or situations that would occur and then they collapse the one that they specifically wanted into reality and they de would decree it and then they would ordain it as being so. That's powerful. Now, I won't disagree with you that a lot of these beings were pretty uh, malevolent. In other words, they were, they were pretty evil people, most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. Why were they evil? Well, because they, they masqueraded as gods. They uh, abused um, you know, our freedoms. They enslaved us without making us think we were slaves. Uh, and they, uh, you know, they, to me, in my personal opinion, it was just a lot of mental and physical abuse, especially when you read the tablets about what Enlil did to human beings, killing off 100,000 here, 100,000 there, you know, dry the crops out. Too many people making too much noise. They're clamoring too much. Just kill them off. You know, we were treated as cattle. And so I, 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 I do, I, I agree that a lot of these beings were not, uh, not the nicest of people. Some of them had a kind heart and showed empathy, like uh, Enki um, and uh, and Thoth, the Atlantean priest king in Africa. You know him as Tehuti, Jehudi, Tehuti. In Mesoamerica, he's known as Lord Pakal, Kukulkan, Veracocha, uh, you know, and these other names. Uh, he's known as Nigazita in, uh, in Sumeria. Uh, and there's several others as well that really did find a heart, have a heart for human beings and felt guilty as to some of the things that they that they colluded with against people. But the ones that were pretty hardcore and evil, like... There is an invisible liver killer that could be severely damaging your liver right now. Because if you notice, your digestion is working right. If you have headaches, if you have blood sugar yeah. concerns. ...that were pretty hardcore and evil, like Marduk, a.k.a. Amin-Ra, and a few others, they really understood the power of manifestation and the reality that they wanted to create on this planet, and they would make decrees into those realities. They even had something called a crystal tablet that they would look into. Sounds a lot like a phone or a iPad or whatever you call it, right? <laughs> but they had a crystal tablet. On this crystal tablet, they would see the future outcomes. This is in Sumerian tablets. They would see the future outcomes on this crystal tablet. And then, based on the future outcomes that were there, depending on who was ruling or who was trying to manifest this particular reality that they wanted, they would actually then 
pick one of these realities. Now, let me break this down for you. In quantum mechanics and quantum physics, everything exists. All realities exist in superposition of each other. Superposition. Look that up when you get some time. This quantum physics and quantum mechanics. What does that mean? That means that any future reality that could possibly exist does exist. In other words, in some future realities right now in this exact moment, I'm not sitting at this desk talking to you. I'm outside eating dinner at the kitchen or in the, or in the dining room, or I'm taking a walk in the neighborhood, or I'm in the gym working out, or I'm playing basketball, or I'm on a trip to another country. I could be on a spaceship to another planet. There's unlimited potential future outcomes. So they had the concept of the quantum field. And then now, what do you do? They knew how to use conscious thought backed by action to collapse the quantum field into one particular reality, the one that they wanted to see. Pretty interesting. Let me read this one tablet, some of this tablet to you. This is pretty interesting stuff. Give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Let's see here. Pretty interesting stuff. Okay. Here's a tablet from ancient Mesopotamia. Tablet one. They planned a city. They planned it. The gods, we're talking about the Anunnaki when you hear the word gods. By the way, let me stop right there. In the Bible, everywhere you see the word God, singular, G-O-D, is a mistranslation. When you go to the ancient text, and that was translated from to become the words in the Bible as the word God, the word singular God. It actually in past in the past it was actually gods with an S, plural. It took off the S to give you the concept or or the idea of monotheism. Okay, but that's a whole other podcast. Gods laid its foundations. They planned the city Kish. Kish is where the black people were. Egg. Founded its brickwork. The Ijiji were the working class Anunnaki. You had the Anunnaki pantheon that were here. And then underneath them, they had these working class people who had volunteered to help do the work in this breakaway civilization. And the purpose and the reason for that was to have a fresh start, a new opportunity on a new on a new planet, a new life, so to speak, that they would build for themselves. It's like if we were here, leave here and go to Mars and be part of a new civilization, we would have to go there. You're only going to handpick people that can contribute something to the civilization or the society. These Gigi were the working class people, according to these tablets. Let it be there, the people, let it be there that the people shepherd. Let Etta, I'm sorry, let Etana be their architect. The great Anunnaki gods, ordainers of destinies, sat talking their counsel concerning the land creators of the four world religions, establishers of all physical form. By command of all of them, the Ijiji gods ordained a festival for the people. No king did they establish over the, over the teeming peoples. At that time, no headdress had been assembled nor crowned. So they're talking about this is a time even before they had established kings on earth to rule over people. This is why they don't no want throne to daisies that. whatsoever had been constructed against the inhabitant world. They barred the gates. The Ijiji guard surrounded the city with ramparts. Ishtar came down 
from heaven to seek a shepherd. Ishtar came down from heaven. She came down from space. Ishtar is what Easter is all about. She is the goddess of Easter. It's really all about Ishtar, translated her name now from back then to the future, from Ishtar to Easter. It's really Ishtar. It's a Sumerian, a Babylonian um, tradition. Came down from heaven to speak with a shepherd and sought for a king everywhere. Mina came down from heaven to seek a shepherd and sought for a king everywhere. And Lila examined the days of Etana, a man whom Ishtar steadfastly and uh, the, some pieces of that tablet is missing, that she consistently sought the king on the radiant throne. And then it goes on to talk about that Enlil showed his sister a crystal tablet. And on this crystal tablet, a city that he had built, he will build. And this city and this construction technique will last for all time on this planet. This guy is talking about planning, not for, understand the mindset, planning not for next week, planning not for next month, planning not for next year or the next 10 years. He's planning for all time. So what I was trying to tell you before, some of these guys weren't the greatest people, and Lil definitely was not one of the greatest people, obviously, within this pantheon. However, you can learn something from what they're talking about here. What can you take from this? What can you glean from this? They walked in their own true power. They understood the power that was inside of them. It doesn't make them right with what they did on this planet, but what it does do, it can teach us a lesson on how to create our own reality, how to walk in our power. Because according to the, another tablet called the Myth of Adapa, Human beings, according to them, according to these sky gods, were created even more intelligent and higher than them. We had just not tapped into it yet. At a time in the future, we would realize our true power. That time is right now. Walk in your true power as who you really and truly are. That part made it into the Bible as the angels were jealous of the humans because the humans were created higher than them. That's where it came from, the myth of Adapa. Read that ancient tablet. Almost word for word, they copied it right into the biblical text. The point I'm making here is this guy and his people are ordaining realities. In other words, they understand the power. They're commanding specific things to be outcome, have an outcome on this planet that they want to see. And then the plan that this guy makes, he plans for all time. Let me tell you something. When I read that, I had to sit back in my chair for a minute. I had to meditate on that. The average person will read across that and glance and skim across that and keep on going. I had to stop because, you see, I understood the power. <laughs> I understood the power and what was just told to me. The power is this. When you are living out here in this financial matrix, for example, this is just one example, you get a paycheck, whether you're getting paid on a contract, whether you're getting paid on a paycheck from an employee, employer, or, or, or whether you uh, you provide services and you get paid randomly or whatever. You're getting money on a, on a, a specific schedule, time scale. Most people are planning for what they're going to do with that check when it comes in. Oh, I got to pay this. I got to pay this. I got to pay this. I'm going to take this little bit and save it here. And this is going to And then I'm going to spend. I got to buy some clothes and I got to do this. We are living paycheck to paycheck on this planet. The majority of people on this planet are living paycheck to paycheck. 
Some benefited to be able to live maybe uh, paycheck to every three or four paychecks. Very few can go six months and very, very, very few can go a year without earning any income. Right? One time I went almost seven years without making any money. But that's rare. The thing I'm the point I'm making is I was working on a plan for the end of that seven year where I was taking I took that seven years off. I was making my plans for what I was gonna what I was gonna do to jump back into the into the world of, of the financial matrix to make money again. This guy planned for all time. You see what I'm saying? So what it's telling you is we have to think bigger. This is why this workshop is going to be so important. I'm going to drop the link in the chat again right now. Because I'm going to teach you how to plan for all time. That literally shifted my thought process. It shifted. It was a paradigm shift for me. You may not can see it here right now on this board, but where I'm pointing to it, it says legacy. It's almost in every video that I have. I have this legacy image behind me. I look at the legacy image every single day with the infinity symbol on it. Because I understand that what I learned from this dude, who I do mean a dude, wasn't no God, didn't create anything. It's a masquerader, but he had he understood his own power. See, he created this, he's created this plan, these plans for all time. And they still have persisted till this day. That was 8,000 years ago when he said that. Guess what? His diagram, his floor plan for construction for cities is still persisting till this very current day. His plan that he put in place 8,000 years ago, he installed a bicameral Congress in Mesopotamia, which went around the entire world. And it's the same exact political system we operate under today in the United States. His plumbing system. With the Fry's VIP card, save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump for the win. Operate under today in the United mm. States. His plumbing system that he created is the same plumbing system that we're living under and operating for right now. All these things that this guy did, all these, the education system he created, the fiat currency he created. He created fiat currency and inflation <laughs> a thousand years ago. So what's happening here? seeing somebody who understood exactly what they wanted to do and he planned for all time and his plan is still in operation till this very moment we're talking about eons have gone by and it's still here i took that information i took what he did how can i utilize that in my, that concept of thinking the way of thinking for planning in my life so i started researching long-term plans i found a few corporations that were Thinking like and Lil, Mitsubishi have a 300 year business plan. <laughs> have a 300 year business plan. Hmm. 300. Not planning for, uh, you know, five year plan. Most people make a business plan five years. I got a five year business plan. That's what I, I used to make a five year business plan, right? Make a five year business plan. No. This guy has. Uh, Mitsubishi has a 300-year, and a few other corporations I found had 500-year plans. So their corporation, what they're saying is our corporations are going to stand the test of time, number one. They've already ordained that their corporation will not go down regardless of economical conditions, regardless of political situations, regardless of, regardless of sit religious situations on the planet, regardless of, regardless of wars. There's nothing that's going to take down our company. Regardless of who's Coming in out of the company and uh, coming in the company and coming out of the company, leaving the company. No matter what, this company will will sustain and persist. 
And here's our 500-year business plan. Thinking into the future, creating future realities with conscious thought, getting more futuristic every year that goes by, but still being in this exact year and time. You can take a lot from this type of thinking. Imagine sitting back and creating a plan for all time. And people say, well, why do I need a plan for all time? I'm only going to live to 80 or whatever. Well, the plan isn't for you. See, legacy. I'm not planning for me. I'm planning for future generations. One of the biggest downfalls and pitfalls in the minority communities is zero planning. And I mean absolutely zero planning. None. Not even for death. Not even for death. Both of my parents are dead. Both of my parents are long gone. I love them to death, but I got nothing. Zero. I had nothing before they died, and I had even less after they died because they, they had debts. This is a major situation in minority and impoverished communities. There's no planning whatsoever. At what point do we begin to say, enough is enough. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. This generational curse stops with me. See, the problem that we have is too many people are thinking only about themselves. Oh, well, this, is all, this is all I need to live on because if I, if I can just make this, I can get by until I die and I'll be happy. Meanwhile, you set nothing up for your future generations. You don't have a will, a trust, a testament. Nobody knows anything what's going on, who's going to get what or anything. Nobody has your... Uh, uh, no the key, uh, uh, an attorney that should have a key or access to any a safe that has your passwords to your crypto or your accounts yeah, or anything don't like have that. Enough money for all that. There's no trust to have the money set to, but the family has one central location. And the money is divvied up and sent out from there. This is all the stuff I'm going to talk about in my manifest destiny workshop. You have to begin to make plans for all time if you want to truly manifest your own reality. How about manifesting a plan for all time? This is something that needs to be done. Understanding and becoming what they were, ordainers of destiny. Wouldn't you like to know that you already can control and be a part of a joint part in your own destiny? And I mean that. This is one of the main hermetic principles. You understand the law of cause and effect. All are co-creators in our reality. They'll tell you that you have no power over your reality. They will tell you that you have no control over your reality. They will tell you that just give up and set in. It's just destiny. Your destiny's already been laid out before you were born. Let me tell you something. That's bull crap. Because I can show you right now in a very simple example, my destiny is not laid out in advance. Because I have a choice. I'm going to give you this simple kooky and corny example, but I'm going to give it to you right now. On my desk, on my left hand, there's a cell phone. By my right hand, there's a glass of water. At any given time, I can decide to pick up the cup, glass of water, or I can pick up the cell phone. Destiny means I don't have a choice. But guess what? I'm sitting here and I actually have a choice. I can pick up the cell phone. I just fulfilled my own prophecy. I thought about what I was going to pick up 
now I picked it up. I fulfilled my own prophecy, self-fulfilled <laughs> prophecy. Oh, my God, I'm going to pick up the water now. I got the water in my hand. Guess what? I don't have to pick up either one. I can get up and walk out of this room and leave you guys hanging on the video. Hey, what happened to forbid? He left. Here's the situation with that. Every decision you make will have a consequence, whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence. A good consequence will be if I stay here, I can spread knowledge and wisdom and somebody, if there's only two or three people, can get something out of what I'm saying tonight. That's the, that's the consequence of me sitting here tonight speaking to you. If I get up and leave this room and leave you guys hanging, the consequence is going to be like, you guys, man, this guy just walked out on us and left us hanging on this guy. I'm, I'm going to unfollow this guy. Who does he think he is? The consequence is negativity. Right? If I make a conscious decision that I'm going to pick this cell phone up, the consequence is that this phone now is in my hand. We have choices. I can also turn this phone on and I can make a phone call while I'm on this live video. The consequence is you guys will be going, what the hell is he doing? How come he's on his cell phone? Huh. These are simple examples. I'm trying to make it as simple and as understandable as possible. Cause and effect. Every decision you make is going to have a consequence, whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence. Every thought you make backed by action is going to have an, a, a, an actual consequence. And so if you sit back, oh man, I'm, I'm doing good for myself, man. I, these, I, could, I could pay my light bill and my car, and I can get to work back and forth. And, you know, I know I got two or three uh, kids and, and two grandchildren out there, but, you know, the hell with them. They got to do it on their own. So, and you can think like that if you want to. It's up to you. Nobody's going to judge you. What I'm saying is when do we draw a line in the sand and say, let me make a conscious decision back by action to build a legacy. Let me set up a legacy for future generations. Let's make the playing field even. Because for so long, it's been like this. When are we going to come and start at an even pace? I started underneath the gutter. I literally started not in the gutter. Under My neighbors, my ghetto, were, had more money than me. And we were all poor. I had nothing. Two pairs of pants, holes in my shoes. Trying not to get beat up in school. Bleaching my pants and dyeing them different colors. So people thought I had different color pairs of pants so I wouldn't get attacked in school. I had one shirt with the alligator on it, the little Koi Sportif. I would unstitch the alligator and restitch the other shirts that I got from Zares. Out of it's, it's an out of business department store. It was it was even cheaper than, than Wal, uh, Kmart, and that's out of business now too. I remember the last pair of sneakers my mom bought me before I could start buying my own sneakers. She had to buy me a five dollar pair of McGregor football cleats. The rubber cleats on the bottom. Can you imagine going to school? And I'm not talking about elementary. I'm talking about ninth grade. Can you imagine walking into your ninth grade class with football cleats on as your main shoes? Going to basketball practice with football cleats on? Can you imagine that? Come on now. We got to put an end to this. I love my parents. They did the best they could with what they knew. They had no financial literacy. They had no understanding of, how, of the power that they had inside of them. They had no understanding or, or concept or idea of their actions and how it would play out in future realities. They had no idea how to collapse the reality that they wanted. They just went along with whatever the system gave them, and they did the best they could with the knowledge, the knowledge that they had. Those days are over. Those days are over. And I can say I'm talking to the majority because the majority of people out here 
may not be completely broken destitute, but I tell you what, there's a lot more people that don't have a million dollars than that do. I'm still talking to the majority. When are we going to start working on this legacy? When are we going to start realizing, let's make plans for the future, for all time? I'm not thinking about, you know, I have, right now I have four grandchildren, right? I got four grandchildren right now. I got a six-year-old granddaughter, a five-year-old grandson, another grandson that's two, and another granddaughter right now that's uh, about seven months. My oldest daughter, who's now 31, going on 32 in September, is pregnant again and about to have a baby girl. All right, so she, now I'm going to have five grandchildren. And I can sit back and be like, you know, I did my job. I raised my kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm doing good. I'm living good. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, hey, it's on them now. they got to take care of this planet. Whatever that happens on the planet is up to them on the planet. Whatever happens with their kids and their finances, it's all up to them. See the mindset that the majority of people have that mindset. My mindset is, how can I secure a future for my generations? How can I teach them to create, to be a part of my plan that I've created and make it last for all time? How do I, how do I inject longevity into that plan? I'll give you a couple of tidbits that I'm going to teach in my Manifest Destiny workshop. Number one, you've got to have a will and a testament and a side of a trust. That's number one. I'm going to teach you how to do that and how to set it up step by step. Number two. Don't just leave money to people, especially people that don't have any financial means or financial literacy. Don't just leave your legacy behind for people to just pop on and take their cut and run away with it because it'll be gone and it won't be anything for all time. So you want to know where to invest a thousand dollars right now? Well, forget about stocks, real estate or cryptocurrency. There is a little note mm -hmm. on and it won't be anything for all time. You see, I studied these people, these Anunnaki people. The plan that he made, he followed through with a whole four or five more tablets of information. All planned, everything planned, laid out step by step by step by step. But what did that tell me? I have to do the same thing. If I want this legacy to last, I have to make plans. So I have financial literacy classes that my family has to attend. If they don't attend them, they're cut out of the will. They don't get anything. If you don't know how to manage money, you're not allowed to touch any of it. See? If your credit is below a specific credit score, you don't get your money yet. It'll be there waiting on you. But you got to get your credit up. I'm not about to have anybody take the money and blow it. <laughs> if you don't have a job or your own company, in business for at least one year before something happens to me and just got to get paid out, you don't get it yet. It'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Let another year go by. Come back with your proof that you were open for a year. Let me see your returns and everything else. Go to the attorney. And then you'll get your cut. You can't be living on somebody's couch. If your name ain't on no paperwork, come back when you get something. When you establish yourself, you got you're living, you can take care of yourself, come back, it'll be waiting on you. That's just a small part of the list. Every quarter, you better show up to these financial literacy classes. You get nothing. <laughs> 
Grandkids, you're in there, you're in the policy. Guess what? You get some of it when you turn 18, not all of it. Then you got to go by the same guidelines that everyone else is. The classes and the courses will be left behind for you to follow through. The tests will be left behind for you to follow through. The requirements will be left behind for you to follow through. When you turn 21, if you meet them, requirements, you get a little bit more. Can't give a lot of money to a 21, an 18 and 21 year old. You already know what's going to happen to it. Turn 25, you, fought, you, you meet the requirements, you get the rest. There's stages to this. I'm going to teach you how to set your future generations up the right way and how to manifest a true reality that's going to last for all time. Not you pass away or something happens to you, God forbid, and everything just collapses and turns all turn to dust in five minutes. Everybody for the future generation, everybody's struggling. Broke, poor. They see your picture on the mantle and they just say, oh, that's so-and-so. When they see my picture, they're going to say, oh, that's so-and-so great, great, great. A grandpa, guess what? He's he the reason why we're living like this. He set this whole thing up. He made a plan for all time. He made a plan for all time. That's what they're going to say about me. They're not going to say, oh, that's just so-and-so grandpa, so-and-so dad of so-and-so. They're going to they're gonna look all, they're gonna, when they get to my picture, they're going to stop. They're going to wait a minute. Let me show you, let me tell you about this guy right here, what he did. He's the reason why we're living like this right now. Because he built a legacy. He didn't just build a legacy. He built a plan for all time. This is what it's all about, guys. It's all about understanding the true power that we have and control over our life by making conscious decisions backed by action and thought and knowing what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. The average person just doesn't know. I'm going to drop the link in the comment box again. You have to come to my Manifest Destiny workshop if you want to find a way to change your life and get to the next level. If you're already a millionaire, I'll take you to the level above that. I'm on my way to becoming a billionaire right now. You don't believe it? Look me up. It's all public record. Because all my finances are registered with the SEC. I'm not playing games out here on these streets. I'm working on this nonstop. All I work on is legacy. If you focus on building your legacy, your abundance is guaranteed. You don't have to worry about where's my money going to come from for a light bill and a mortgage payment and a car payment and a tuition bill and all this. That's the last thing on my mind. Why? Because I'm focused on this. My daily abundance is automatically guaranteed. I'm going to teach you my, my techniques and my methods, how I plan, how I strategize, how I create my reality, how I manifest my reality the way that I want it. And it's not just in finance. I used to struggle in relationships. I've now manifested what I want there, too. I said, you know what? And I've mastered the financial matrix. I've mastered the education matrix. I've mastered all these other business matrices. Like, man, why ain't I putting this same stuff to work in my own relationship? And so then I began to work and focus on creating and masterminding relationship that I truly and really did want. And I made a plan for that for all time. And I'm doing that too. It's all about understanding what questions to ask yourself and how to seek the answers to those questions. I'm going to help you find those. I'm going to give you a, a very, very detailed 
PDF file that you're going to have to fill out you come to my Manifest Destiny workshop. And this file is going to force you to ask yourself some really, really tough questions. It's going to force you to ask yourself some really, really tough questions. You're going to have to be honest with yourself. But I guarantee you this. When you get to the end of that 10-hour class, most likely going to be 10 because we had to add an extra speaker, you're going to feel rejuvenated. You're going to feel enlightened. You're going to be going back and watching it over and over again. You're going to pause it and rewind it and get information and extract information and download it from that video that's just going to allow you to change not only your life, but future generations. Because this Manifest Destiny class, for me, is going to set the standard for all time. Period. Period. Let me read from the Emerald Tablets a little bit to you guys. This is my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's been a bestseller in five countries for four years. Now, let me tell you something about this book first. Some of you on here probably have the original version of this book, which was volume one, which came with a light brown cover and Thoth was still on the front. But the book uh, was about 400, and, I think it was 444 pages. That's right, 444. This book is now 238 pages with the same amount of information in it. When I was uh, done with the first version of the book, I went to this huge lecture out in SETI in Washington State. It was a seven-day retreat where I was speaking out there. I was speaking on the Hermetic Principles out there with Jimmy Church from Jimmy Church Radio. We did a, a whole thing together out there. Every day we would have a line of people coming up to buy my books and I would autograph them on the spot. Every time I would sign my book, this is the first week the book came out, I would sign the book and say, this is going to be a bestseller and hand in the book. This is going to be a bestseller and hand in the book. I must have said it over 150 times, <laughs> handing out over 150 books. I think I had 300 books for that whole trip. They all sold out. Right around the 150th book or so, a woman walks up to me. She says, my name is Laura. Laura Cantu, and I want to know if you, if your ego is not too strong, I have a couple of suggestions about your book. I said, Miss Laura, my ego is not strong. If you have any suggestions that can help me make this book better or something you saw that I need to correct, I'm game to listen. She said, okay, meet me over there. There was a building over there tomorrow at next time. It was like right after lunch. I met with her. He says, I'm a, I own a publishing company, a book publishing company called Winter Wolf Publishing. And I read the whole book. And I want to tell you that there's some things in here that I see that need to be changed. Your science articles, are, your science portions are too complex for the average person. You're going to lose some people. The book is so big, it's intimidating. The cover doesn't look that good. You're not catching any eyes with it. He says, but I think this book should be a bestseller. And if you allow me to... I'd like to work with you to alter this book into a way that could make it a bestseller. I said, if you feel that this book can be a bestseller, I said, I already know it's going to be a bestseller because I've been telling everybody, she said, she laughed and said, yeah, I know. You've been telling everybody it's going to be a bestseller. I said, let's go to work then. We went to work, rewriting the science portions to make it more understandable. She came up with a brand new cover, okay, Companion with the Emerald Tablets, and she wrote underneath A Beginner's Guide, which is my subtitle, A Beginner's Guide, to simplify it for the average person. 
we took some of the larger images and shrunk them down. Long story short, we got the book down, half the size, same amount of information, more potent, more understandable. The book became a bestseller instantaneously.